to enjoy life. I mean, we, we often just go through the motions of life as mothers. We just wear all these hats and we, we go through it all. But it's like, are you existing or are you living? And there's a huge difference. Mm. I can stay alive. I can exist. I don't want to exist. I want to live. And I want to teach those around me to live as well. So that's what I do. It's pretty simple. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. That's what I'm doing. Hello, I'm Jill Sutton and welcome to Living Her Legacy, a podcast that features heart-to-heart conversations between mamas who are navigating everything that changes after having children. Right now, let's give ourselves grace to change, to let go of what no longer serves us and unapologetically take up space. This knowing and owning our self-worth is the key to living a fulfilled life, our best life. Don't just leave a legacy live one. Hello, and welcome to the Living Her Legacy podcast, episode number 10. I have some exciting news to share with you. I have set up a listener support link, and you can find the link in the show notes. This is for those of you who want to support the podcast with a monthly monetary donation. There are three different levels that you can sign up for, and they range from 99 cents a month to $9.99 a month. So if you are curious, the link is at the bottom of the show notes. Today, I'm blessed to talk with Christy Sapp, a mama to eight children who is passionate about preserving childhood and shares her journey on her YouTube channel, The Learning Preserve. We discuss what it looks like to let kids be kids. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Christy. How are you today? Thank you. I'm doing great. The house is super quiet. It's unusual for our house. (laughs) always really noisy. Well, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Um, tell me who you are, maybe where you're from and a little bit about yourself. So I am from California. I am an only child who decided it was a great idea to have eight kids of my own. And really it's just been a journey of motherhood, a journey of just trying to build all of these little people into happy and productive adults. So I really pride myself on that. The best thing I think I'll ever do in my lifetime. I'm just trying to bring other people into the mission of preserving childhood. For me, that is huge. I feel like society is kind of losing sight of that, what it is to be a child. And we're really robbing them of their innocence and their happiness by rushing them along. That is what I am doing right now. I am making it my mission to show other families how to let your kids be little. I mean, that's, that's really where I'm at right now. I absolutely love that. And I can relate on both ends because I feel like I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old and there are times when I can tell my patience is thin with them. And I'm thinking after I like rushing them to school or wherever, I'm like, they're two and five, you know? Um, and then right. on the other side of things, I really do my best to try to like learn about, you know, different types of parenting styles and letting my kids, yeah, enjoy the outdoors and learn on their own and explore and things like that, which I love following your Instagram account because seeing all the things that your kids do. So from being the only child to having eight of your own, tell me about that. It is wild. It is, you know, I just, I just wasn't prepared for it. I I had a few friends growing up that had multiple kids 
um, in their families. And I was always drawn to them. I think one family had like six, one family had maybe seven. And I just found myself always wanting to go to their homes to be a part of them. I, I, I always felt I don't want to say incomplete, but lonely. I mean, just lack of better way of describing it. I was just always kind of searching out for that, um, that fellowship, that like community, like I wanted to be a part of a bigger family. And so for me to have that bigger family, I was just so excited to have been blessed with eight kids. I mean, it's, it's huge. It's, some days it's pretty wild. Some days I don't even know what I'm looking at. It's it's somewhat overwhelming at times because I was used to the quiet. I was used to everything being in order and and all the things that you can do in a small family. And it is, you know, chaotic, but it is amazing all at the same time. So it, it has really just been a, a very interesting and fun life that we have created here. I love how you explained your first four went through public school and then you kind of made a big transition with your second four, having them be homeschooled. Can you tell me like why you decided to do things differently? I wish that I had the ability to take complete ownership for making the decision to homeschool my kids. I I wish that I could say that, but in all honesty, that was not the way things played out. I had four older kids. And we public schooled them. Things went fine. I think things were a little bit slower than they're all adults now. Uh, I have the younger kids, um, 13 down to three years old. And when we decided that we had to homeschool, it was because of a medical issue with my 13 year old. Mm. So we started off in kindergarten um, doing an independent study program with the city and I was still working. I was still in, you know, corporate America. Like I was um, trying to find out how I can possibly teach my daughter at home and work. And so we we didn't have many resources and it just didn't seem like a full year curriculum. And it wasn't until I seen her repeat her work twice in the same year. And then I realized that the school district had been giving her packets of busy work And it was more geared towards children that were going to be sick for a short amount of time and not looking at the full year. And so it was almost like vacation work. And I realized at that point, she was not going to get a proper education and we couldn't send her to school um, because of some of the obstacles that she would have had. So we decided to homeschool her and it was... It was something. I think I took the first year just trying to figure out things, find out who she was, what her learning styles are. And I always tell parents, like, you think you know your kids, but you know them from a parent-child perspective. You don't know them as a teacher, teacher of life, yes, but not teacher of academics. So kids all have different learning styles. Some kids have an audio processing delay. Some kids are visual learners. You really have to spend I'm not going to put a, you know, a a time limit on that, but it is a long period of time before you really get to know your child and realize their needs. So, you know, we had, after we had decided to homeschool our 13 year old, it just didn't seem right to not homeschool 
our other children and the other ones were younger. And so they had never went to public school. So we decided to homeschool all of them and just basically create not a school because we don't want to mimic, you know, a school here. And that's also, you know, important that we are able to give them a unique education. We decided to just put them all together and just build, you know, a really cool environment for them to learn in and let it be child-led. And it was the best decision that we've ever made. Again, I wish that it was our decision from day one that brought us to this place, but life just brought us here. I mean, it, it just brought us here for a reason, I believe. I, I think this was really our calling. I've learned to be so much more patient than I was, you know, with doing homework with the older kids. And there used to be a joke like mom promised us you'll never be a school teacher, you know, just because I was at the table being that mom that was really stressed out and overwhelmed with all the homework to where I am now, where I am a very patient um, educator. I trust the process and and I allow time for it. I think it happened for a reason. Really, I do. And I'm, I'm really happy where we are. Hey, y'all, I wanted to interrupt real quick to let you know about a special deal I put together and is only open to the first five people that sign up. The deal includes one 60-second post-read ad that will play during the first 10 minutes of a podcast episode, like what I'm doing right now. Your ad will play twice a month for three consecutive months. If you are a business owner that provides an online service, if you're selling a product, if you're wanting to promote something, a book, etc., this is a great opportunity. Your ad will live on the podcast for eternity. This ad bundle costs only $100 and again is only for the first five people that sign up. When you sign up, type 100 on the form so I know it came from this ad. You can find the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. I can only imagine leaving corporate America being a tough decision, but I do feel like also right. as moms, we'll do anything for our children, right? Anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Can I just ask like, how is your daughter? Is she okay? Yes, she is. She has a, I don't know if you would want to call it like a blood disease, but she has um, too many mouse cells in her body. And so it's super rare, but she's, she, she looks like the picture of health when you see her but she's subject to anaphylactic shock at any given moment. So mm. her environment really has to be controlled. And in a public school system or anywhere, especially when she was little, that would be really hard. We had to be hands-on. We couldn't let her be, you know, in a, in a playground environment where the ratio is, you know, 100 kids per one adult. Now she's older. She's her own advocate. So she can let us know when she's not feeling well. And she's She's actually having an amazing year medically. She's right. horseback riding and doing all the things that she wants to do. She's living her best life. So we're excited for her about that. Approaching those teenage years. And that's another beauty of homeschooling. If I can just ramble for a second. This is also absolutely worthy of noting. The older four kids, they were good kids. And times were different when they were in public schooling. But when we look at kids and we think, Kids are just growing up faster nowadays. That's kind of what we say. It sounds like an excuse. If you came to my house right now and you seen my kids, my four younger kids, you would think that they had been raised in another country or isolated from all humans. You would never know why they are the way they are. And it's been because I have been doing my job since day one to protect their childhood 
and keep all of those adult things away from them, adult agendas, adult music, adult television shows. And, and I'm not saying that other parents who aren't doing that are, are being lazy or being just really too relaxed about it. What I'm saying is if you can put those walls up, it matters. It will help them stay kids. Our suicide rates are high. Our mental health crisis that we're dealing with with children, it's because we're giving kids adult issues they're not equipped to handle. We do not discuss adult content. Are my kids, you know, running around in long denim dresses and being, you know, like an occult, you know, no, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I mean, that's, that's not it at all. People always kind of frown about it. They're like, oh, you shelter them. Or, you know, for example, my daughter doesn't have a cell phone. She's going to be going into ninth grade. She, well, she has a cell phone, but it's, it's a Gab wireless phone and she doesn't have internet access. Why, why does a kid need to be able to have internet access to be given some trouble. So, and we, we are just very selective in what we let in their environments. And it has made a huge, huge difference. I wish all parents would do this because our kids are happy. They're thriving and they just don't know what's out there. And and we are sheltering them, but when the time comes and they're older, they will be mentally prepared to deal with a lot of these adult issues, then they can, but why take away their childhood? So that's what we're doing. And homeschooling has made that possible because they don't have all the influence of all the other kids. So we can be very selective in in who we uh, bring around them. So that's helpful. I hear that a lot. You know, kids are growing up so fast these days and, and it is, they are taking on, you know, a lot of adult situations, emotions, experiences that they really, they don't have the bandwidth, the mental bandwidth and, and the brain structure to, to handle that. It's funny. I'm kind of torn because I like, I want to preserve their childhood, but I also want to be honest with them. How do you walk that line of like, you know, when are they ready for certain situations? That is a great question. Mm -hmm. And it has so many different angles that you can go down to answer that. I'm not super conservative. You know, I, I think people get the wrong idea about me sometimes. And my older kids were very active in the community and doing all the things that they did. I was always honest with them. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a way to be honest with a child in a way that is meant for a child to hear. We don't need to teach them about sexual education by putting them in front of a rated R movie or letting them have access to the internet or doing things like that. I mean, they can have a discussion, an anatomy talk. We can talk about the facts. We can talk about if you're religious, you can talk about that. If you're spiritual, you can talk about those things. You don't have to approach it in an adult way. So I'm very honest with my kids. I'm not a hypocrite. I tell them, this is what mom did. I didn't live a perfect life. I didn't have a perfect childhood or anything like that. I'm priding myself on being authentic and I'm real. I'm probably one of the most honest people that you will ever meet. My kids know that they come to me. My adult children will come to me. They still call me driving home from work or wherever. And they, and they discuss issues with me because they know I'm not going to give them something that's sugarcoated, or I'm not going to lie to them. And I do the same thing with my little kids, but I gear it down to make it little kid content. They just Mm. don't They just are not prepared. Like you said, they're not prepared for the adult issues and I am sheltering them. And when you think about the definition of sheltering, it's protecting from harm, you know, something potentially harmful. So 
why the hell would we not be sheltering our kids? I mean, we have to do that. That is our job as parents. I just feel like, you know, honesty is one thing and subjecting them to unnecessary things that their brains are not ready for is a totally different issue. So yes, I'm honest, but I do it in a very tactful way that is appropriate for their age. We don't Mm -hmm. have to give them the whole big picture all the time. Like we can give it to them in little tiny kid doses. And they are little kids. They they only have a childhood for a short amount of time. And we should let them have that. I mean, they're they're gonna be adults forever. So let's just preserve this now. I absolutely love that distinction that you just gave. It's not that you're not being honest with them, it's giving it to them in pieces that they can digest. Digest. I Perfect. love that. No, that really makes a lot of sense because I was, you know, in my mind when you had first said that, I was kind of thinking, like, well, then how do you how do you be honest about certain situations? But you said it right there. Like you, you still are. It's just not. Yeah, we we the talk about all the things. The, yeah. Yeah. We talk about all the things, but we don't need to, we don't need to, we, you know, we talk about war. We talk about relationships. We talk about all of these things, but it's done in a way that is for children. We don't need to bring them into the adult world. Just, just leave them there. They're happy. They believe in magic and, and, and it's just special and it's not our job to take that away from them. It's our job to protect that and let them have their few short years that they're going to have all of these big feelings of childhood. And so that's what we're doing. And we did that with the older kids too, but of course, public schooling made it a little bit more difficult. So it was a lot of mama, this is what they said at school. And then you have to like, you know, more corrections along the way of, of information that the other children were giving them. It's much easier now controlling the environment. Right. I really do love your mission of preserving childhood. Can you tell me how the Learning Preserve came about? Yes. Yes. So I had never had, uh, I had a, I I have a public uh, Facebook account. I had never had an Instagram account or Twitter or any of the social media, YouTube. I'm not even really big on you know, social media platforms. And, and uh, I, I just, it was a calling and I, and I know people always kind of throw that out where they say, Oh, it's a calling. It's a calling. It, it, it truly was. And it might be from all that's going on in the world. I just, I don't want to say anger, but I just am feeling all kinds of heartache for our kids. I go into the store and there's just nothing but half tops for the five-year-olds. And, and it's just the music that we, you know, go on any social media site and you see kids dancing around to music that has some pretty explicit lyrics and, and all of these things that society is normalizing for kids. And that to me was really, really sad. The Instagram didn't start first. I first started a YouTube channel, obviously, The Learning Preserve. And I named it The Learning Preserve because I sat at the table one night and I was thinking about what our mission was. What should it be called? What are we doing here? And it hit me. I was like, we're trying to preserve childhood. And we're also trying to give our kids an education that is as unique as they are. So together we came up with the learning preserve. It was meant to show families, you know, not just homeschooling families, all families that are raising children, you know, and I say raising those kids because I call them those kids. And I, 
call them an outcast, call them whatever. Those kids are the kids that are having the most fun. Those kids go to bed at night with happy dreams, thinking about ponies and all of the other cute little things. They don't have the weight of the world on their shoulders. I'm raising those kids. When I thought about doing the YouTube channel, it was also showing homeschool families how much fun homeschooling can be. I think a lot of homeschool families, again, I came from corporate world. I was the mom that dropped my kid off, you know, going five miles an hour, you know, with a slim fast for breakfast, you know, get out of the car, get out of the car. So I went from that rat race to this. And I know sometimes it's like a culture shock or there's a lot of misconceptions about homeschooling families of we stay in our pajamas all day long, or we don't socialize our kids. And there's so many different stereotypes, but for me, I know both worlds because I know the public school world and it can be amazing and works for many people. And then I also know the homeschool community and how amazing that can be as well. So I wanted to show families that were considering homeschooling what we do. And it started off, uh, I didn't know to call it a vlog or whatever, but I just wanted to kind of put the camera up and show other families what it looks like, what it looks like in our house, what it looks like homeschooling, how you don't just have to put a book in front of your kids, give them something. The mind remembers what the hand does. I mean, that's, that's the way. Get them hands-on. When you are homeschooling, you can do all that extra fluff and take them out. They don't have to sit at a table and learn. They can go out in their treehouse. They can do whatever they want. And I really want to raise out-of-the-box thinkers. And I'm trying to get that mission across, that viewpoint of preserving childhood and giving them a unique education. And if kids are public schooled, that's fine. But when they come home, maybe you touch on some of those extra things that the kids are interested in that they might not be receiving in public school systems, whether it be art or give them extra science or whatever it is to make it child-led once they get home. And that's that's how the Learning Preserve came about. And then I, of course, thought, well, you know, I'm going to have to start an Instagram account to go with this. You know, this is what the people are doing on social media. So I started that. And honestly, if I just had a GoPro on my kids all the time, it would be so much fun. We have our three-year-old. He's always naked. It makes for really hard times to get, you know, the footage that we need because we're always like, get clothes on the baby, get clothes on the baby so that we can get all of these good clips for everyone to see. And, you know, nothing is staged. It's all just get your phone out and, and videotape or put a GoPro up in the tree or let's go on an adventure and just show people what kids are intended to be doing. They should be outside. They should be exploring. They should be finding their passions and doing all of the things that they want to do. Actually, one time, and I will do this, I will do this, but my GoPro is broken. I wanted to put a GoPro on my son, on my three-year-old, and take a walk with him and let the GoPro show all of the things that he discovers, that he stops and looks at, that he's interested in, that are important to him, all of these things, and then go on the same walk again and hold him on my hip or put them in the stroller, and it's at my pace. Compare the two. Think about that. Think about the power of that. And, and then let that be an example of what I'm talking about. It's, it's an adult world. It's an adult pace. 
We don't stop and smell the roses. We don't let them stop and find that really shiny rock that they seen 10 feet back. We're in a hurry all the time. And when we are telling them what to wear, what to eat, what to be passionate about, what to sign up for, all of these things, how can their personality form? It can. You actually are growing who you want to grow as your child. And as parents, we have that right to have wishes and dreams and, you know, have a, a general idea of where we want our kids to go in life. But then they lose sight of their own individuality when we kind of form them without letting them have that room to be interested and find their own passion. So I, I think that's really important is, is letting them be little, letting them have time to explore and find all the things that are meaningful to them. Because who are we as adults? I mean, we are their parents, but why are we defining all of these things for them? And you think about so many parents that say, I'm learning it as I go. And we really are, but what a, are, what a yeah. unique way to look at it as a lot of times we are trying to fit them into an adult box. Like, yeah we're going to go on a walk, but that means get in the stroller. And I'm going to push you. Yeah. <laughs> and I know, you know, with my, my age kids again, two and five, I know how much more they appreciate being able to have an opinion and make a decision themselves and having kind of some right. of that control over it. I mean, I don't think there's any better way for them to learn than to, to than to do that. Um, we've had to tweak our bedtime routines a lot just by saying like, okay, you know, it's not like go to the bathroom, then we'll read books and brush teeth. It's like, Okay, which of these do you want to do? It's like giving them the option. Like we have right. these three things we have to get done before we go to bed. What do you want to and start something, with? Something these are going to be non-negotiables, right? Co it's like kids. I'm not saying my kids run the show. That's not it. There's no. a lot of things that are non-negotiables, but the things that aren't, we should let them have some say in that. I think it's beautiful. I love that. I agree. I wanted to kind of circle back, you know, talking about you being in corporate America and now this, uh, what would you say is easier? Oh, without a doubt. Corporate America, for sure, for sure. You have, I mean, someone brings me coffee and my bagel. <laughs> have, That's right. You know, I have, uh, you know, the, the stress is there. The stress is there. Mm -hmm. It's different. You, you're responsible for a lot of things, but it's just a different kind of stress. Uh, of course, um, motherhood is different. Homeschooling is different. I have a really hard time like walking by something and, and just leaving a spill or, you know, it's like, it's like, you're never off. And you, you know, that it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be a homeschooling family. A mother's always on duty where at work, you actually have that kind of disconnect from the house and you just have like an isolated responsibility at work. And then hopefully you can check it at the door when you come home. And I definitely think that corporate America was way easier for me to handle than, you know, all of the kids and the, and the stresses of, of motherhood. But of course I would choose motherhood all day long. This is the calling we were born to do this. This is, this is the big work. Right. So this is the most rewarding for me. I'm blessed that I'm able to stay at home now and be able to make all this possible. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be home. I take a lot of pride in my family and my house. And this, this is also something that I think makes everything work is it's all about your perspective about raising a family. And I'm not going to sit in, you know, in front of you and say that I've always had this way of thinking because I would be lying. I know when I was younger, I didn't feel this way. And when you stop saying, 
I have to do this and I have to do that. And you change your perspective on life and you say something like, I get to do this. I get to do that. Right. So you read these little memes and all these things that are saying, you know, yeah, there's dishes, but you had money for food. And, you know, it's like, it's just like taking, you know, your kids shoes and you have to wash them because they're muddy. Well, we were blessed with wonderful weather and we got an adventure today. Instead of saying we have to do it, you get to do it. And when you think about all of the things that you think are burdens to you and you turn it around and turn it into a positive, it really affects your moods and the way you are seeing all of your responsibilities because they are responsibilities, but they're great responsibilities. They're not to be frowned upon. They are to be embraced. So yeah, it's definitely something that I've learned the older I get. I'm 45 years old now. I had kids when I was really, really young and Along the way, I've learned a lot about perspective and your mood as a mother changes the whole vibe of the house. Because if you are radically kind, you're going to raise radically kind children. If you are doom and gloom and, and, and feeling all of these negative things, your kids will pick up on those characteristics. In corporate America, you have, you know, a lot of those kind of responsibilities of leadership, but maybe everyone who's working under you is not going to follow your lead as far as their personalities, your forming personalities. So that's the huge job is doing that for sure. Something that I've been trying to work on is just positive affirmations and positive thinking. And one of the things I had heard kind of like an analogy is that the mom is like the thermostat in the house. You control the temperature of the room. Yes. If you're upset, everyone's going to feel it. Everyone's going to feel it. So thermostat, I never thought about it like that, but that's, that's really what you are. Essentially you are, you're the mood setter. Mm -hmm. If you sit down at the school table and you, you know, throw the books down and you are bringing all that to the table. Why would your kids be excited to do a lesson with you? They wouldn't. And and that's, you know, I, I pride myself again on being real, but there's times in a mother's day where you kind of got to put that poker face on. You have to do those things for your kids. Even if you have the weight of the world on your shoulders, you have to still give them their happy time. So it, it is it is hard because you don't want to bring that stress down on them because that's unwarranted. They, they don't deserve that. So as mothers, I mean, we got to do it all. We have, we have so much on our plate. <laughs> we really do. So we've kind of been talking about it all along, but I do want to end with this question is what does it mean to you to be living in your legacy? Right, right. Uh, you know, again, I think about everyone thinks about leaving your legacy. I mean, you know, that's, that's what we talk about, you know, leaving your legacy. What, what do you want to leave behind? How do you want people to remember you? But when you flip that around and you say living in your legacy, I would say for me, the most important thing is like really living in the moment and being present. And I'm not talking about physically being there. I'm talking about enjoying absolute enjoyment, living in the life that you have built or are building, because this is a journey. I mean, you're, you might not be where you want to be and you're still on that journey that, to get there, but it's like being present and being grateful and, and taking every moment for what it is and making it the absolute best that you can. Times are hard. Things are going to happen. Your kids are watching you. They're going to see what you're made of. How is mom handling the situation? 
You're teaching your kids to be resilient, dust themselves off and keep going. Don't let things like hardships define who they are. So they're watching us. And that to me is living in my legacy of just being in the moment and being the best person that I can be making a difference in those people around me. And hopefully I leave an impact on them. I want to enjoy life. I mean, we, we often just go through the motions of life as mothers. We just wear all these hats and we, we go through it all. But it's like, are you existing or are you living? And there's a huge difference. Mm. I can stay alive. I can exist. I don't want to exist. I want to live. And I want to teach those around me to live as well. So that's what I do. It's pretty simple. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. That's what I'm doing. That really inspired, you know, this, the start of this podcast is living your best life and, and making the moves that you need to, in order to set it up for yourself. Right. Just like you said, you might not be where you want to be yet, but you've got to take that step. You know, life changes after you have kids, you're a different person after kids. And that's something I know for me, like the last couple of years has really been like some personal development and, and figuring out who I am and what I want to do and what brings me alive. And, and yeah, I really think you're doing that. And I love watching, following along on the learning preserve. So I'm, I will be like tagging everything below in the show notes so people can follow along with your story. I think that's so fun. Um, I think we can learn a lot from it for sure. So I'm really, um, just proud of you for the the mission and the heart that you have behind it and the people that you're touching so much. Yeah. Well, Christy, I wanted to thank you for showing up today and being authentically you. The most costly thing you can do is be real. And I appreciate you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining today. You can find more ways to connect with Christy in the show notes below. My mission is to encourage you in that whatever season you are in, you can live with purpose and fulfillment. I want every mama to feel empowered with the ability to create change in order to be living your best life. A wonderful, free, and easy way to support this podcast is to follow and subscribe. What that does for you is bookmarks this podcast at the top of your page wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will also update to show you the latest episode released. What that does for me is it gives me the chance to be ranked in the podcast charts. Please also leave a star rating or a review. Not only does this help boost the credibility of the podcast, it also helps new listeners get a better understanding of the show. Plus, it gives me feedback on how I can make the show more enjoyable for all of you. There is a chance that I may read your review on a future episode. As a reminder, new episodes will be posted every Thursday. If you're interested at all on being on the podcast, please check out jillgsutton.com slash podcast. I'd love to have you on the show. Your voice can change the world.